Richmond. I apologize, fellas. No. Keep going, Jeffrey. No worries. So right in between the nation's capital and the state capital, great church. Uh, Fredericksburg is the largest bedroom community to DC and uh, continues to grow. And so we have the opportunity to minister to people uh, from a plethora of backgrounds, a lot of military, a lot of government, uh, but also uh, Fredericksburg had been a rural community, but it is continuing, as I mentioned, to grow in terms of the number of people that live here that work both in the nation's capital and in the state capital. And um, when I arrived here, the church was about 17 years old and uh, I followed the founding pastor. And uh, for some time, the founding pastor had uh, begun thinking about transitioning out. And so when we came in, we had quite a little bit of work to do just to reestablish uh, culture, vision, direction, all of that. But God's been good to us. This year we celebrate nine years and the church is growing and thriving and making an impact here locally, nationally, and internationally. So we're grateful. That's awesome. He's also a business coach. Um, I don't know how you separate all your time between all of these roles that you have, Jeffrey, but uh, how I got to know Jeffrey was through Pastor Mari Davis. Mari introduced us, and uh, they've worked together on several projects. And uh, I know you're, uh, you're a dream release. You're part of the dream release or coaching network, right? Correct. Uh, tell the guys a little bit about that. Take a minute or so and tell them a little bit about that. Dream Releaser Coaching is one of the organizations that Dr. Chan, specifically Dr. Brenda Chan, um, have founded. And it is uh, an organization that trains and licenses those that want to pursue a career in coaching, whether that be life coaching, executive coaching, business coaching, it gives you the tools uh, necessary to be uh, certified. And then if one would like to, to go on and be credentialed with the International Coaching Federation, Maury Davis has completed that program as well. And um, one of the things I think is so valuable about that program, more than picking up tools and techniques on how to coach, it really helps you in your personal and leadership development. Uh, there's more discovery and more awareness built in that program uh, in the life of an individual as they go through it that just uh, reaps so many benefits in not only how you lead yourself, but your family, whatever organi organization it is that you are, are um, leading as well. So it's an excellent program. Uh, there are four, help me more if I'm wrong, there are four different um, tracks and uh, to be certified, you go through all four tracks and the fifth track is to get certified internationally. But uh, an awesome program. If ever you have any question about that, please contact Maury or just go to dreamreleasercoaching.com. It's an excellent way to develop yourself as a leader. How many, how many companies are you a part of uh, coaching? Yeah, so I kind of do, at any point in time, I'm working with four or five different organizations, trying to not only lead the church that I'm currently at, but the network that I'm a part of. And in addition to that, I'm usually working with four or five uh, leaders or organizations at any given time. 
Are they secular uh, or are they church? Ministry as well as marketplace, some nonprofit work as well. Uh, so I enjoy working in both those arenas. Well, I'm sure you do very, very well. It's a, uh, it's a, it's a, it's an honor to have you today. My joy, my joy. I called, I called several guys up just so the rest of you MVPs know. I called several guys up and I, or actually I talked to Mari uh, at the end of last year and I said, hey, I want to at least once a month. I want some guys on here that are out of my league that uh, I cannot afford, but that we can give access to our MVPs and help us go to another level. And one of the gentlemen that he introduced to me was the pastor Jeffrey Smith. And um, I think you're going to get a feel for how sharp he is and, and where he's at as he speaks to us today. And, and you guys know the drill. Uh, what we'll do, Jeffries will let you uh, speak to us and uh, share with us. And then we'll come back for Q and a, and then we'll, we'll all get together. But, as of right now, guys, let's mute ourselves. And without any further ado, Jeffrey, we're going to give you the floor, bud. Terry, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for the invitation to be with uh, this great group of leaders. And as I was hearing different ones kind of check in uh, as you were greeting them, understand that there's leaders from across the country. So what a great opportunity to, to speak to individuals across our country that are making significant impacts in whatever area it is that you serve in. Terry, I really appreciate you trusting me with this time. And Maury, thank you for making the connection. Uh, some of you uh, heard mention that Maury and I uh, have a couple of points of connection that we get to uh, work alongside one another. And one of them is Dream Releaser Coaching, Dr. Samuel Chan. And actually he's the one that first put us together and uh, we've had the opportunity to travel around the world several times to India. And uh, Maury is a great, great friend, a tremendous leader. Uh, as many of you know, led a tremendous church there in Nashville and is now coaching and consulting himself and uh, impacting churches and leaders and organizations all across. So thank you, Maury, for uh, continuing to be a great friend and for making this uh, opportunity uh, available also. Uh, guys, I've got just a few minutes with you, but to help me get a little bit better sense of who I have on the call, if you would, in the chat, uh, would you just put in there uh, what kind of organization you lead? What kind of organization you lead? Is it a church? Is it a business? Uh, maybe it's a restaurant. Maybe it's a nonprofit. I don't know what it is, but give me some sense as to what or what kind of organization you lead. Okay, I've got a number of churches, nonprofits. Fantastic, church and business owner, coaching and consulting. Yes, awesome, awesome, awesome. Thank you for giving me some sense of who I've got on here. University program director, incredible. Very good, very good, very good. I see some still coming in. I see some that are bivocational. You're leading both a church and a business. So your hands are full. You're wearing multiple hats. Great. Let me ask you another question. As I think about this last year, 
year and a half uh, as I think about my own journey in leading uh, the church that I pastor, as I think about conversations I've been in with other pastors, uh, working with other organizations, this probably has been the most challenging year as a leader that I can remember. I, I don't think I've ever led at a time that was more difficult, not only in terms of leading the organization, but even leading myself, leading my family, it, it, it probably has presented more challenge to me than any point in my leadership journey. Give me a sense a little bit, uh, if you would, in the chat again, for you as a leader, what has been most challenging to you? If you can say that in a succinct way, maybe in a couple of words, what has been most challenging for you as a leader during this crisis that we've all walked through? Yeah. Mm. That's a great one, Clay. Culture shift. Yeah. What else we got? Growth initiatives. Yes. Caring everybody else's problems. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Continuing to give hope to others. Developing teams, development of leadership. Yeah. Dealing with the unknown, man, uncertainty, the challenge of change, keeping people focused. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Wow. Slow down and wait on the seasons to change. Man, pace was a challenge for me, for sure. Keeping people focused. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for the feedback, guys. I think all of these resonate with me for sure. And I would imagine with a number of you that are seeing the responses in the chat. Yeah, dealing with change, dealing with change, transition, conflict. Absolutely, Ryan. All of these, all of these. The power of fear, yeah. Love the feedback, guys. And as you're continuing to put that in the chat, what I wanna do is maybe just talk to you a little bit about maybe some thoughts, some ideas. You can slice and dice them any way you want to. These are just things I've been observing in my own leadership, things I've been looking at as I'm working with leaders, uh, things that I'm trying to figure out, don't have all the answers, but I think they're critical for us to think about as we try to navigate our organizations, our teams, our businesses through perhaps one of the most challenging times. I wanna to talk to you for a few minutes just on a couple of ideas. The big thoughts, I wanna talk a little bit about creating a winning culture. I wanna talk a little bit about organizational health, organizational health. And um, I, I'm, finding, I'm finding that as a leader, one of the things I'm having to do is to really look at our culture as an organization, re-examining it, and in many ways, having to reestablish it. I think one of the things that we realize as we look back is that crisis, crisis is a great revealer. Crisis is a great revealer. It reveals who you are, and it reveals what your organization is made of. 
I, I don't know that crisis necessarily builds or develops us as much as it reveals what's already there. And I think as we've been walking through this last 15, 16 months, we've been noticing and we've been seeing what we're made of and what our organizations, what our teams are made of as well. And even as we're coming out of uh, the pandemic, as we're coming out of crisis and churches have been reopening and some have been open for quite a while, as we're trying to move towards a sense of some kind of new normal, whatever that might be, we're finding that we're having to reestablish culture. One of the things I'm hearing from a lot of pastors is it's like starting all over again in many ways. It's like going back in and having to reestablish the foundation, having to go in and reestablish kind of um, all those fundamental areas and things. And I know that's true in many ways for myself as well. And I think when we talk about reestablishing culture, reestablishing the foundation, one of the things that we look at is organizational health. What is the health of our organization? As we well know, there are many organizations sad to say that did not make it through the pandemic, uh, both marketplace and ministry, that they just did not make it. And I think one of the things that we have to look at is how healthy are our organizations after coming through what we've all come through. Many of our conversations, even as a team, have been around that as we've walked through trying to check the health of our team, trying to help and check the health of our uh, staff, trying to look at the health of our key volunteers. What is the health of our church at large? And so we're looking at that in a number of different ways. Let me give you something to think about when we talk about organizational health. Uh, a few different consulting organizations define it this way. McKinsey and Company defines organizational health as this. It is those organizations that are high functioning and highly successful I like this right here, over long periods of time. They're high functioning and they're highly successful over long periods of time. Not just, you know, uh, in a month or a couple of months or seasonally, but how well do they function? How high do they function over time during good times and bad times, when the tide is in and when the tide is out, how are they functioning? One of the things that we've been noticing as pastors, as leaders, is we're watching how our teams, our, our churches, our organization is functioning in, again, one of the most challenging times we've ever been through. Another consulting organization, Keller and Price, has a little bit deeper definition, and I like this one right here. They define organizational health as the ability of an organization to align, execute, and renew itself faster than the competition to sustain exceptional performance over time. Let me give it to you, give it to you again. Keller and Price defines organizational health as the ability of an organization to number one, align, number two, execute, and number three, renew itself faster than the competition to sustain exceptional performance over time. Let's break that down. 
the first one is alignment, alignment, and this is so critical. I think going through the, the crisis of the last number of months, and it's not just been COVID, that's certainly been one of them, but we've, having, we've had to deal with social unrest, we've had to deal with political tensions, we've had to deal with uncertainty, uh, the, the list goes on and on. And one of the challenges for us as leaders has been to maintain alignment, to maintain alignment around vision, around strategy and around culture. Those three things in particular, keeping everyone aligned. I heard someone or saw someone in the chat mention keeping people focused. David Reinhardt said that, how do we keep people focused? To me, that speaks to alignment. How do I keep people focused on vision, on strategy and culture, culture? Are our departments in sync? Are our team members in sync with one another? The second big point in that definition was they execute. They execute their objectives decisively with effectiveness, efficiency, and excellence. Execution. How well do we get the job done? And the challenge is that when you're in times of uncertainty, execution can maybe look a little different than it does at other times. And I know as a team, we've had to determine, okay, what is the win? What does success look like in this context? What, what, what does it mean to cross the line in this situation? And so we've had to constantly kind of look at that uh, and determine what success looks like in this scenario given the set of circumstances that we're in. And then the third thing that was mentioned in that defi definition was the idea of renewing itself or resilience, the ability to bounce back. And certainly we've been challenged with that as well. Let me go back to this word culture, as it was mentioned in terms of aligning around vision, strategy, and culture. I mentioned earlier that as leaders, one of the things that we're having to do is reestablish culture as people are coming back to church, as people are re-engaging, as we're looking to move forward into the next season post-pandemic, what this culture look like. And I think this is so critically important. You know, when I think about, for example, in scripture, Psalms 23 is an interesting verse to me when we look at it in light of this concept of culture. It's interesting to me that the psalmist writes in such a descriptive way. We all know the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, it goes on. And then it mentions a couple of descriptive phrases in there. It mentions how the shepherd leads the sheep beside still waters and into green pastures. Those are very descriptive terms because I think it, speaks to us as leaders of how important it is for us to be mindful about the culture that is being created in our organizations. Still waters, green pastures. It's almost as though it's saying to us that the sheep don't thrive in every environment. Sheep do not grow the same in every context. The good shepherd is careful to make sure that they take the sheep to a specific setting or environment because they want them to develop in a certain way. I've got to take them to still waters. 
I got to take them to green pastures. I can't take them to dried up fields that have dirt clogs in them and expect them to be healthy and vibrant. I can't take them to rushing water because that's dangerous for the sheep. I've got to take them to still waters. It's speaking to us about the significance and the importance of culture. And I think when we look at our organizations, one of those things that we're looking at is the culture that we're creating in the midst of crisis and uncertainty. And so I wanna look at that by looking at maybe seven key, indi key indicators of healthy organizations that give you some sense of the health of your culture and your organization. Here's number one, the penetration of purpose across the organization. How deep does purpose run in the organization? How deep does it run? Sometimes when I'm working with teams, when I'm working with organizations, you find that purpose runs shallow, which means it's at the upper end, it's with the senior leader or maybe the executive team, but purpose isn't being drilled down into maybe the next level, which would be extended staff or into volunteers and then into the congregation. How deep does purpose run in your organization? When an organization is healthy, you'll find that purpose runs deep, not only at the upper level of leadership, but there's a sense of purpose. There's an understanding of why we are gathered, why we are here, and it rings true from top to bottom in an organization. Here's the second one when we think about indicators of the health of an organization or our culture. Agile and flexible, agile and flexible. When a organization is healthy, they have an agile organizational structure, which means it is flexible. It is flexible, it is flexible. This is so important. We've had, we had to learn this, particularly at the onset of the pandemic. The reality was that when restrictions came down and regulations were put in place, we couldn't do church the way that we were used to doing church. We weren't able to gather in person like we were accustomed to doing. We had to make transition like many of you, like all of us to virtual platforms. But not only in terms of the Sunday morning gathering uh, needing to change, but many of the ways that we connected with people, communicated with people, made sure that the congregation was covered. We had to come up with different ways. One of the things that happened for us was with our small groups. Many of those groups met in different places, different locations around town. Those went virtual and we actually saw our small group attendance grow and continue to grow, seeing that we're doing it online. People are enjoying the flexibility, the convenience of doing that and connection has increased in what we do in terms of small group connection, growing people's faith in groups. But we had to do things differently in terms of the way that uh, we assimilated people and brought new people into whether it was being a part of a ministry department or being a part of a group. All of that went online. What I'm trying to say is that we had to get creative. Many of you had to get creative. We had to be agile. We had to take uncertainty and say, you know what? That can't be a showstopper. 
That can't be uh, something that causes us to be ineffective. Rather, we got to find another way to do what we do so that we can continue impacting the lives of people. We had to learn this very important truth. Don't place form over function. <laughs> Don't place form over function. The way you do it should not be the priority. It ought to be whether or not you're able to meet your ultimate goal. And so we are married to the mission, some people say, but we date the methods. Our methods can change, but our mission stays the same. Seeing people's lives changed and transformed, bringing people hope, bringing people to Jesus, all those things stay the same. That is our mission, to empower people to live a Christ-centered life. That is our mission, but our method changes. This is the understanding of not placing form over function. Date the method, but you're married to the mission. When we talk about organizational health, the third thing that I want to mention is perhaps this, and that is healthy organizations are speedy and effective in decision-making. How quick does your organization and how effective are they in decision-making? This was a challenge, certainly going through this last 15 months, decision-making. And what I found was, is that our decisions had to shift from not making so many long-term decisions, we had to make more short-term decisions. We, we had to, to kind of shorten that window because we were dealing with uncertainty. And as a leader, can I tell you, one of the pressures that I felt in decision-making early on was the pressure of having to have all the answers. People would come to you, what are we gonna do about this? How are we gonna handle this? What, 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 what are we gonna do about this situation? And, and now we can't do this, so what are we gonna do about that? And, and decisions were coming a mile a minute. The reality is, is that there were many times, being quite candid, I didn't have the answers. <laughs> I, I, I'm in the bo same boat you are in. I'm trying to figure this thing out in real time. And there was a certain pressure with that. And I think one of the things that I learned was that, you know, it's all right to say, I don't know. I, guys, I don't know. What I'm going to tell you is what I do know. That was important. Always communicate what you do know. But when you don't know, throw that pressure off and don't walk around feeling like you have to know or begin telling some people on your team things that you aren't sure about just to kind of remove yourself from that awkwardness of having to say something. What we tried to do was create an experimental culture, which was to say, let's just experiment. Let's try this. Guys, I don't know if this is going to work, but given the set of circumstances that we're in, we're going to try this for the next 30 days and see how this works. <laughs> And guys, sometimes we would try stuff and it would work. And there was some stuff we tried, it didn't work. 
It was like throwing stuff at the wall and trying to see what sticks at times. And sometimes when you're in uncertainty, when you're in situations where you gotta be flexible and agile, what you wanna do is communicate in a way that says, you know what guys, we're gonna experiment. Let's take the pressure off and let's just have some fun trying to figure this out together. Healthy organizations give themselves the room to breathe as it relates to making decisions. Here's number four. Number four is this, and that is healthy organizations deliver results, deliver results, deliver results. Instead of squabbling over turf and title, they deliver results. Man, I know for us, that was a big deal that what we had to do because in the midst of the crisis, we had to shift responsibilities. We had people that maybe work in this area. We need to pull them from that area. And now you need to do this. I remember early on, we wanted to make sure that we contacted everybody in our church. And so I put everybody on a call team. Yes, your job description might be A, B, and C, but look, we're in crisis. I need you to do X, Y, and Z. The most important thing that you need to do is be calling these people, finding out what the need is, finding out what the status is. We got to deliver results. And sometimes that means we got to understand that results are more important than title and turf. Let me move quickly. My time is just about out. Here's number five, and that is healthy organizations have high engagement and morale, high engagement and high morale of your people. There is a prevailing want to. And, and, and I'll just be honest with you, about right now, I'm finding that this is a little bit of a challenge. And even as I'm working with organizations, engagement is a challenge. People aren't coming back to church maybe as quickly as all of us has hoped in many situations. Even when I'm working with marketplace leaders, Getting people to re-engage in work is a challenge as well. Uh, some people feel more comfortable at home or might be making more money at home. And so getting them to come back to work is a challenge. So working with in, engagement is a challenge. Uh, we're right now uh, working to get our level of volunteers back where it was pre-COVID. And I'll tell you, it's a challenge. People's priorities have shifted. People's time commitments have shifted. And so again, reestablishing those things is part of the work that we're engaging in, reestablishing the why, trying to drill down on the purpose, understanding how can we maybe communicate better, how we're doing things differently so people can find a new place to serve in, all of those things, the list goes on, but working to re-engage people and keep morale high when fear has been such an impacting factor, when uncertainty has been such an impacting factor, how do we keep hope alive, so to say? How do we keep people optimistic about the future? How do we keep people filled with faith and not driven by fear? All of these things are critical as we're looking to have healthy organizations. Here's number six, I've just got two more and then we'll open up for questions. And that is the active development of leaders. The active development 
of leaders and new talent. Healthy organizations are always looking for who's next and have specific ways in which they develop them for what's next. They're looking for who's next and they're developing them for what's next. Here's number seven, healthy organizations know how to retain key leaders. What is your plan to retain key leaders? I find that in our organization and organizations that I'm working with, when there is no plan to keep high performing leaders, you typically tend to lose high performing leaders. These are all keys to looking at the health of your organization. What is the health of your culture? Are purpose being drilled down deep? Are you remaining agile and flexible? Are you remaining speedy and effective in your decision-making? Are you delivering on results? Are you keeping engagement and morale high? Are you developing leaders? And are you retaining them for what's next in your next season as an organization? Just a few thoughts in terms of looking at healthy organizations, developing cultures as we come through critical, crucial times. Terry, I hope this helps maybe stir some thoughts and some ideas. I'm gonna put it back in your hands. Fantastic, fantastic, Jeffrey. Uh, let's all unmute ourselves and let's, uh, let's honor and, and affirm Jeffrey and let's ask any questions that may have come up in your mind while he was talking to us there. Yeah, good stuff, good. And that was great. Great stuff, enjoyed it. Yeah, a lot of good challenging thoughts and, you know, things to kind of, it, it helps to have a framework and a system to kind of go through and say, okay, these are some concrete things we can continue to look at and, you know, reminder to be looking at those specific areas um, over time. I love the idea about? of purpose having to be drilled down deep into the organization so that even volunteers are driven by the why. Jeffrey, sometimes these MVP calls our speakers, they're speaking on an event that might hit two or three of us. What you spoke on today, there's not a person on this call that didn't walk through every one of those, that needed to know every one of those this time. All of us were affected by this change. So thank you for your transparency today. That was awesome. Thank you, sir. How did you, how did you, uh, drill down? I'm just looking at some of your points today on healthy organizations. Uh, you said um, that uncertainty cannot be a showstopper. Mm. So how did you how did you push that through to your people in your organization? So I think sometimes uncertainty will cause us to kind of freeze, right? And and we can kind of get paralyzed, and we don't have any movement. The understanding that I always try to remember is that making no decision is a decision, right? So I can't, I can't wait till I'm 100% sure to make a decision. So even though I'm uncertain, even though I don't have it all figured out, even though this is unfamiliar, I can't wait until I get comfortable 100%. I can't wait till I have all the data, all the information in to make a decision. I've got to say to myself, you know what? We're going to experiment, we're going to try this, and we're going to keep moving forward. It can't be a showstopper. 
We still have lives to touch. We still have people to impact. We still have needs in our community that we can serve. Let's keep moving forward, even though we're in uncertain times. So how did you deal with your self-image when you had to get it before your guys and say, hey, I don't, I don't have an answer here. I don't know what we're going to do. We're just going to try some stuff. Because, you know, sometimes leaders have this God complex. We want to be the guy who has all the answers to every question in the room. You know what? And I'll, I'll be honest with you, Terry, that that was a little tough because I had to do a little mental adjustment uh, in for myself. I think what I ended up settling on was I think at the end of the day, people really do value transparency. And I just had to come and tell my team, look, guys, I haven't been here before. I haven't lived through a, a global pandemic. I haven't dealt you know, with these kind of issues on this level. This is new territory for me. I'm gonna be real candid with you. I'm gonna tell you what I don't know. I'm gonna tell you when I don't know. And um, I'm gonna let you know when it's a little tough. And there were days, honestly, it was a little tough. I remember, I remember when we were going through last summer and we were still um, recording all of our services. And uh, we were going in and I would have to preach to a camera and to chairs. Any preacher knows that preaching to a camera in chairs is just not the same as preaching to people. And after about the second, third week of that, Terry, to be honest with you, I felt so drained and so empty on the inside because one of the joys of preaching is, is the, the mutual exchange, the reciprocity, right? And when you don't have that, it's just you pouring out and nothing being poured it back in. I remember coming in and telling the team, team, y'all gonna have to pray for me today. Your pastor is gonna get up here and preach to this camera. But right now I'll tell you, I don't, I don't feel any anointing. I don't feel the presence of God, but I'm gonna get up by faith and preach what God has given me and believe that on the other end, he's gonna use it to make a difference. God did it. But there were times where I had to be real, trans, real transparent and honest and let them know where I was at. What I found was they had greater appreciation for me being candid and being transparent than me trying to play like, you know, I'm this great man of faith and power, knowing good and doggone well. I didn't always have it. <laughs> I think that's the key right there, right? Yeah. I don't know why we get into that sometimes. <laughs> well, and I think we've got some pretty candid uh, leaders on here who, you know, we don't have no problem telling the truth, I don't think, on here. Yeah. Uh, but when it comes to what you know, what you don't know, it's kind of hard to carry all the labels we have. I'm thinking about all the labels you have, Jeffrey. Coach. So the coach is supposed to know the daggone plays, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but the problem is, you know, we didn't know what play. Yeah. Because yeah. we never played that game. Before. Never played yeah. that game. Never I'll shut up. Before. You guys unmute yourself and, and uh, talk back a little bit today. Any questions you might have. Uh, Ryan, you had several questions. Won't you fire them off there? I guess he's not going to talk to us, but I'm going to ask his question. There you are. I'm here. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I'm in a, a place here. Uh, but uh, I was just asking what uh, got your attention, what area of leadership uh, received most of your attention, and how did you distribute your time to focus on you know, certain things, aspects, developing leaders or uh, communication, what got, what received the most attention for you? 
Yeah, great question. Great question. You know, one of the things for me early on, Ryan, is at the beginning, I felt this pressure to be creative, right? We all had to shift from what we knew and from what we did to doing things maybe differently, coming up with different ways either to get the ministry out or stay connected with people. And there was this consumption of time in trying to be creative and trying this and trying that. And I remember at a point early on, just feeling wore out with the pace of everything. And I really felt like God said, you know what? You just need to slow down. You're, you're attacking this thing like it's a sprint. The reality is it's gonna be more of a marathon. And as the weeks went on, the months went on, I began to appreciate that more and more. And what I started really realizing is, is look, you can't give your attention to everything. You gotta give your attention only to the things that matter right now. And so for us early on, it was getting that Sunday morning service out. That was going to have the greatest impact on the most people. So that's what I focused in on. I scaled down my meetings. I scaled down um, uh, what I was doing outside of the church because my primary function is leading the church. Even though I consult and even though I coach, I took fewer appointments. Um, what I could shift from in-person to doing on Zoom. I did that, you know, on Zoom to conserve time. So I just tried to scale down in, in my guiding thought, Ryan, I don't know if this is helpful, is what is going to make the greatest impact for the most people, that's what's got the, that is what received the lion's share of my time. And then as I got that kind of established, then I would kind of add back things. But, you know, for the first part, it was all about how are we going to keep people connected, covered, and keep communication so people kind of know where we're at as we're going through this week to week, month to month. I don't know if that helps. That does. Thank you. Yeah. So when you started changing job descriptions uh, to fit the crisis, like I know you're the worship leader, but you're going to get on that phone and you're going to help me call some people in the church. How did... <laughs> How did that all play out with your team? So I thought one of the things that was effective for us, and we all know this principle, is that you've got to communicate the why, not just the what. So what I tried to do is in telling them um, what their new assignment was, was spend more time in telling them why we needed to do this. We need to call people because A, B, and C. The value of you doing this is X, Y, and Z. I really tried to underscore the why behind the what and talk about the reason. What I would do many times as well is at times, I would take them through my thought process in making a decision. So rather than just giving them the end result of the decision, I would say, guys, I'm getting ready to make a decision about um, you know, how we're going to handle um, maybe budgeting for the next 30 days, 60 days, given that we don't know how people are going to respond in giving. These are the things I'm thinking about as it relates to expenses. These are the things I'm thinking about as it relates to the budget. And I would bring uh, certain level leaders into that decision-making process because in doing that, not only do they get the end result of the decision, but it helps me to train them in understanding how I think, 
what's important to me. It helps to develop them in their decision-making process as well. So when I could, I would bring them into the process so they can benefit from the process and not just get the end product. Instead of coming in there and going, you boys are gonna do this. Exactly. This so, is why we do this. This is why we do this. And I think all of us have been leading long enough that we've seen a shift in leadership from command control to motivational, inspirational. Ooh, that's so, uh, you know, a lot of us grew up in command control models. And I'm not saying command control is never to be used. Certainly it's still used, whether you're talking about military or you're talking about something where that's life endangering or time sensitive. Sometimes you just got to go in there and lay it down as it is. You got to do command control. But I think by and large, there's been a shift from command control. How can we motivate? How can we inspire? How can we, instead of push people, how can we pull them by leading them instead of pushing them by mandate? You don't always have to be patent. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I have a vision of patent up on the tank, you know, that movie. Like, come on, boys, let's go right. and leading them into the. And I worked for a patent, actually. I've worked for a couple of patents. Yeah. And yeah. they do get things done, but sometimes they can be they could be very misunderstood too. Yeah, yeah. It's that old adage they've got uh, a number of accomplishments, but also there's a trail of dead bodies uh, behind them as well. Harry. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. I got a question for him real quick. I agree with him a hundred percent. It was a fantastic lesson today. He said, people admire when we admit we don't know. I just got a question. Do you think it is also true that when we swing and miss, because you said we were guessing we were in unfamiliar territory but when we come back to people and say, hey, we just swung and missed. We were just wrong. Do you think in the same vein that people admire when you say, I just don't know, uh, when you admit we just missed it there, we're going to, you know, correct. We're going to make an adjustment and correct the steering and get back on track. I do. I think that's a great question. I think as a leader, what I try to do and what I try to encourage leaders to do is to frame that experimental culture up front right so just let them know up front guys we're going to try this guys we're going to we're going to maybe give this a go for 30 days and we're going to reevaluate that gives you a built-in out right so at 30 days everybody knows we're going to reevaluate this everybody knows we might pivot and we might change so it's not so abrupt and it gives you kind of the platform to make that change i think the other thing is is that we have to go ahead and admit that because when it's not working, <laughs> not only do we know it's not working, <laughs> but they know it's not working either, right? right. So, so, you know, we might as well deal with the elephant that's in the room. And I do think people respect you more because they're, they're asking the question, if you don't, is he paying attention? Right. <laughs> the, you mean, he doesn't see this? He doesn't get this. So either he doesn't pay attention or does he care? He right. knows this is not working. Why is he leaving this the way that it is? So I think if we don't address it, what emerges is a whole nother set of questions that causes us to lose credibility as a leader.
What a fantastic answer. Thank you so much. Yep. You know, it comes down to telling the truth, right? At the end of the day. Just tell the truth. Just tell the truth. It will set you free. <laughs> <laughs> and it's okay not to be perfect. Yeah, yeah, I mean, absolutely. We, we get, so I got a question for you. Did you lose any key leaders? Because you, yeah. one of your thing was to retain key leaders. Did you mm -hmm. lose anybody? I did. Um, I had, let me see here. In terms of my staff, I did not. But in terms of some of my high level volunteers, I've had some that I've had to reposition. I've had some that moved, relocated due to pandemic. Uh, so we're dealing with having to fill in some gaps. And that's not easy. That it really is not easy. So um, that's a challenge point for us, for sure. How'd you keep your staff engaged and how'd you keep their morale high? Mm. How did you do that? Give us yeah. a couple of ways you did that. One was communication. Uh, try to keep communication uh, high. And I think to giving space to talk about what mattered to them, not just what mattered to me. Uh, for example, uh, we know the tensions that arose during the George Floyd uh, murder last year. Uh, I knew that was weighing on their mind. For me to go into a staff meeting and us talk about metrics and us talk about <laughs> service formats, and they just saw that and they're dealing with all the aftermath of that, I come across as an insensitive, obtuse leader if I don't take the time to talk about the stuff that matters to them. Uh, when we were going through all the tensions around uh, um, the election, all, I knew that mattered to them. Had to talk about those things. When we were, when it, we were talking, uh, when we were going through, you know, when vaccines came out and fears about this and that, I would give opportunities to talk about stuff that mattered to them. I tried to communicate to them as consistently and as thoroughly as I could. In uncertainty, one of the things as a leader that we strive to do is to bring clarity and communication helps us to do that. And then there was times where, you know, I said, look, let's just, let's just have fun. I would throw out the notes for the virtual Zoom meeting that we were doing and we would just talk about, you know, what, what games did y'all play last night? You know, because uh, at that time, early in the pandemic, everybody's playing, you know, board games and, you know, watching movies. We're, we would talk about what's the latest book you're reading? What's the movies you're watching? What are you looking at on Netflix? And we would just have fun talking, trying to keep morale high and us not look at everything as being so uh, glass half full, dismal and bleak. Good. Anyone else have a question before we move to the next? Uh, I just I just wanted to say real fast. Um, I, this the, this teaching really grabbed me like from the beginning. Uh, you said crisis is a great revealer. Mm -hmm. um, it's a great revealer of of who you truly are. And and I think when the pandemic first hit last year, I launched a church in February last year. Wow. Um, first time church planner, never been in full time ministry, um, never led any kind of organization, just knew I was called. And so um, we 
we launched a church in February. We're meeting in a school and it was like, it was crisis every week, just trying to get the audio set up and get right. the screens working. And then we got kicked out of the schools because of the pandemic. Um, but it, it really did reveal like how many false expectations I had um, of how ministry was going to go for me or how pastor in a church was going to be. Um, but it also revealed a lot of good character in me as well. You know, the fight going back to the call that I'm called to this, you know, and, um, and, and it also helped me see a lot of who my true leaders were on my team. Did we lose you? He muted himself somehow. I don't know what, what happened there. Oh, am I back? Yep, yes, back. yes, yes. I don't know where I left off at. <laughs> you said you, it revealed who your true leaders were. Oh, yeah. It, it really helped reveal um, who my true leaders were. We went online for a long time um, and a lot of people left. But the ones who really truly stayed became real core, like pioneers in what we're doing now and where we're at today. Um, so, man, it just really, really helped. Like when you said that, it really just revealed a lot to me and even helped me think about some of the other people um, that I might not have recognized. Man, wow during this crisis, this person really stepped up and it really revealed how, how loyal they are to me, you know, as a leader, uh, man, I appreciate everything you said, man. This was, it was phenomenal, man. Thank you for, for bringing that. Thanks for the feedback. I, I think crisis, it separates the committed from the casual, right? Mm. So it became real clear who's casual about this thing and who's real committed to this thing. So man, stay encouraged and we'll be praying for you. Awesome. Thank you, brother. Yeah. Would you do me a favor, Jeffrey, before we leave? We usually have prayer and we got, you know, how guys schedules are. I mean, they're flying everywhere. We've had guys with emergencies come up while you've been talking and yeah. this and that. We really, we really do covet prayers from each other because yeah. we know we need them. Yeah. And uh, so would you pray for our group as a whole today before we, before we jump off? And then I want to pray for you. Thank you, thank you. Father, I just thank you for your faithfulness to us even as we've walked through some very difficult and challenging times. Thank you that your word is true, that you're an ever-present help in the time of need. Thank you, oh God, that you have never left us nor forsaken yes. us. Father, thank you that as we look back, we can see your hand working in our lives. Thank you for leading us as we lead others. Thank you for encouraging us as we encourage others. Thank you for strengthening us as we strengthen others. And Father, as we are on this call here together, I recognize, Lord, that each of us are in different spaces and in different places. And I just pray, oh God, that in a very real way, may your strength be renewed in us. I'm reminded of the verse where the psalmist writes, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Mm -hmm. I pray, oh God, that for anyone that is on this call that might feel overwhelmed, outmatched, that might feel like they don't know if they have what it takes to continue leading in such a difficult time. I pray, oh God, that they would know that you are their firm foundation, that you are everything that they need, and that you will remain true to them as they continue to move forward. I pray in Jesus' name, blessing and favor and strength and grace and peace 
would be increased in every life as we continue to do your work and fulfill your will in Jesus' name. Yeah, Lord, Lord, I pray for Pastor Jeffrey today. I pray that everything that he prayed for us, it'll bounce back to him. Everything he sowed into us, I pray it'll come back to him in a great reward. I thank you for an honest leader. I thank you for a leader who will tell the truth and say it like it is when he doesn't know exactly what's going on, he says it. And God, it just raised the estimation of Jeffrey in our minds, Lord, when he does that. So I, I pray blessing on him, blessing on Strong Tower, blessing on his family, blessing on his coaching uh, work, his consulting work. God, let everything his hand touches, let it, let it be blessed today. And I thank you, God, in his ears, but mostly in your, your ears, Lord. Thank you for great leaders who will pour into all of us and help us become better people and better leaders ourselves. In the name of Jesus, amen. 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 Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, on the call for the work that you're doing in the areas that you serve in. Terry, thank you for having the heart to rally these leaders and to create a space and a place where mutually encouragement can be received. And I uh, just thank you for your heart. I remember talking to you the first time and I could hear just your deep desire to be a strength to those that give strength to others. So thank you for what you do, sir. Hey, maybe, we can, still, maybe we can still hook you up with them Ohio State tickets too, bud. Ah, you're talking my language now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you didn't say nothing about being a Buckeye fan in the beginning because you'd have lost 99% of us. Gotta go. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, too good, Tim. Oh, dude. We love you, brother. I'll be in touch with you, okay? Thank you so much. Blessings to everybody. God bless you, yeah. man.